Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. That's Proverbs 33, 4 and 5. And in this verse, which I am believing is going to be, is, com- is coming to pass for us, the second half of this verse. In Proverbs 28, 5, it says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Isn't that powerful? Those who seek the Lord understand justice completely. That's my prayer for us as we're moving into this conversation, that we would have the heart of Jesus, that we would be people of Jesus, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, and that this would be a season like no other, that the pain that we, some of us feel, hopefully all of us feel, um, is a good pain because it's going to cause a birthing of something that we have not seen yet in our nation through the church. And so, Father, we come before you today, and I thank you for every leader on this call. That, Lord, we are not taking any of what we're seeing and hearing and walking through lightly. And although we all have different experiences, some of us cannot feel the depth of what others feel. But Jesus, we ask today that we would submit ourselves to you, knowing that the cross is the ultimate uh, symbol of justice, and that what you've done for each one of us, undeserved, undeserved, you have caused justice and mercy to meet and kiss. And that's what we desire to be not only recipients of, but we desire to be those who dispense justice and mercy, Lord God. So lead us in our conversation. I thank you for Pastor Eugene, Pastor Rohan, and Donnell, that you would give them uh, insight and help us to listen and learn from them. In Jesus' name. Pastor Eugene, I'm going to start with you, brother. You and I had a long conversation the other day, and you spoke to me about how what we're seeing is not new the feeling that black men and women have when something like what we've seen happen over the last several weeks happens, it's not new. And yet there seems to never really be true justice. I would like you to speak from your own personal experience, things that you can inform us of. Uh, What are you feeling now? What would you say to us, especially those of us who are white pastors and leaders, and for that matter, all of us? Pastor. Well, um, well, thank you, uh, Pastor Peter, and uh, uh, good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what a what, what a month! Of the last thirty days, it's been uh, such a, such a challenge. I think you know, um, for me, on to your question, um, I have uh, for the I'm almost sixty years old. And for the better part of my life, uh, I've seen or or been a part or experienced racial injustice. 
uh, from Los Angeles to Ohio to Louisville, Kentucky to here in Baltimore, Louisiana. Uh, it's everywhere. Um, my, my first exposure was in Louisiana at five years old and uh, going to a store and getting called the N-word and uh, going home, um, uh, you know, getting called the N-word by the store owner. You know, where did you get that from? And uh, I said, the man down at the store called me that. And they said, uh, you know, I watched their, their shock and their outrage of me saying that word turned to a look of terror, where at five, I had to be given the talk. Uh, some of you may have heard this, but uh, it's a conversation that is had amongst uh, African-American males and females about how to survive an encounter uh, with people uh, who, who mean to do you harm, uh, whether that's uh, police, and I'm not saying that all police are like that, but it's a certain kind of conversation. Uh, I've had that conversation at five, I've had it at seven, I've had it at nine, I've had it as a teenager, and uh, every now and then I have to revisit it. Uh, even today, I've given that conversation, that talk, with my sons, uh, and they'll likely give it to their sons. Uh, for my father and grandfather who had that conversation, they're, they're, the idea was to avoid getting lynched. That's in Louisiana. But uh, these days, it's you know, how to survive an encounter uh, about having to have the proper documentation about, you know, um, I mean, you know, talking correctly. Uh, whatever that means, you know, yes, officer, no officer, and praying that, you know, whatever encounter that you have, that the officer or, or, the, or the people just didn't have a bad day, and we're going to take it out on you. So, I mean, uh, for 55 years, I've seen that, you know, uh, 1965, the Watts riots. You know, I still remember the sound of the uh, the National Guard officer when he cocked his uh, rifle, clack, clack. And that sound, uh, you know, still resonates today. So um, I, as a Christian, uh, I think the greatest struggle for me is how not to be bitter and how to allow everybody that I encounter uh, would receive the benefit of the doubt. Everybody gets a fair shot. Because uh, I, I don't know what people's intents or motives are. And I don't want my, my history to uh, cause me to prejudge people in such a way where I say that, oh, why people are like this? Or, or all uh, uh, Hispanic people are like this, or all police are like this, but everybody gets an equal and fair shot. Um, uh, even even in Foursquare. I, I love Foursquare. Uh, it was something new and different for me. Uh, I'd never seen uh, anything like this. Uh, I, we brought a group uh, um, 
under Pastor uh, Eric, but we brought that I had. I watched Pastor Tim, <laughs> Tim May. I watched him embrace our kids and just extend, you know, uh, just great love. And I, I fell in love with Foursquare from that moment. And, um, but, you know, uh, that's not to say that everything is perfect. Uh, I read, I read Facebook posts, Twitter, stuff like that. And some of the things I read, I don't like. Uh, but it's cool. But 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 in matters of, you know, kind of what's been going on, I know I'm jumping all over the place. Uh, um, what, what could I say to uh, perhaps a white pastor who might have black congregants in their church? You know, don't dodge the question. Don't blow it off. You know, uh, don't don't get caught up in the media uh, hype over the symptom of what's wrong rather than looking at you know the the, the real reason of, of why people are rioting uh in our cities i mean i listened to that conversation in 2015 uh, with the death of freddie gray we forgot about the death and everything is focused on the fire and the city and turmoil and so on and so forth but we never we never dealt with really the causal issues uh that because in the midst of that as a pastor i still have to minister to people who need jesus uh only because of my own experience that i know that my walk with christ and and just being you know embracing the gospel message i know it changes lives i know that and so um, the, the probably the, the more difficult thing for me today as I pastor my church is how to pastor people through the bitterness, through the hate, you know, to through, you know, not prejudging people. You know, how do, how do I pastor people through that? And again, it's not about dodging the question, you know, so we'll talk about it. You know, sometimes it might be a conversation over a cup of coffee six feet apart from one another. <laughs> Uh, but but a conversation that has to be had. And so, you know, e even as if, if you're a white pastor, and you have maybe one or two black families uh, in your church. And, and, and if you have a relationship, what am I asking? How you feeling? You OK? You know, is there anything that I can do? You know, and I, I just you know, I just it, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not a single pastor on this. Uh, call right now that hasn't preached a message about COVID-19 and being quarantined. Am I right about it? The reality is you, you've dealt with the crisis and helping people to manage their way through the crisis. And, and so this is yet a crisis, a crisis that, you know, um, has been longstanding. So it's been going on for hundred, hundreds of years. So, so now that everybody has seen it, you know, how do we help to help people, you know, navigate their way through it? Because I think, you know, um, you know, again, you, you just don't want to uh, dodge the issue. Uh, that there, there are people uh, in your church that are waiting to see what you're going to do. Um, but I think uh, the the other the the other piece is uh, 
watch this. You don't have to get, can I, can I really talk about it? You don't have to get a hired gun to come and tell you how to minister to your church. The, the reality is you have relationship with your church. The people know you, you know the people. And, and you know, uh, even, at, even as they try to, you know, negotiate all of the emotions and, you know, how to deal with all the things uh, that, that they've had to deal with, you know, you, you are in the prime position to help people walk through that. You've done it before, you know, and, and, and you know, it's not based upon your skill or your savvy. I'm, look, watch this. I, I'm not a professional racial injustice solver. I'm a professional black man. I've been one my whole life. <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know, I, I don't want you to, to think that I am uh, an expert uh, with regard to that. Again, this is something that I have to seek God for in terms of guidance on, you know, God, what is the next step going to be? And so, you know, the scripture says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. And it really speaks to a place where I'm in the dark. I don't have any knowledge about what's going to be the next move, but I can go to God who has the word that I need to take my next step. So, you know, um, Pastor Eugene, um, thank you so much for, I'm going to, I want to jump off of something you said and ask mm -hmm. Pastor Rohan this question because Pastor Rohan, you pastor a really diverse congregation in Marion, Ohio. Um, and you mentioned to me that sometimes you feel like you have to walk a tightrope because oh, yeah. there's a clash of values and opinions, even when it comes to racial justice. Can you talk to us about how you're doing that? Um, Pastor Eugene shared that we, we all probably have folks in our churches that are on different sides or, or just some people that need the words of comfort. Um, how can you help us um, understand that? How are you doing it? And honestly, you know, the bigger question is as you've been praying and seeing, how, how can we move the needle forward this time and this not just become another flashpoint? Uh, first of all, thank you, Pastor Peter, uh, for arranging this. And, and thank you, Pastor Eugene, for your uh, honest, real conversation. Um, I think one of the first things is to acknowledge that it does exist. And uh, being a pastor of a multicultural church, it is a balance of that. It, it really is how do I address some people's pain that's real and others who really have never experienced that and, and honestly don't know what to do. Uh, and so being there, I have to really, number one, let them know my heart. Uh, if your heart is not presented from a place of where you can weep on one hand and at the same time acknowledge the reality of dignity to be educated, it's not their experience. You have to walk with both and not be tempted to, to, to pick either sides. Very challenging. Uh, I've lost sleep. My body has physically felt it because we love people and we want to make sure that that's happening. So the number one thing that I do is I make sure that I keep things in order. I, I think that if we keep the conversation going and we know that we want to get to a communication, everybody is saying, okay, I see. You're hearing what I'm saying. And also you're feeling what I'm feeling. 
so that's one of the biggest things that I find, Pastor, Pastor Peter, is how do I make sure I'm taking on the feelings of the people, even when the facts have not all been uh, brought to forefront yet, even when all the different elements, because I know we want to get to a place of faith, we're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. So I have to move at the pace of, uh, of, of the reality of the situation and not ignore it. And at the same time, make sure that we're bringing a, a word that gets everybody involved because this is everybody needs to, to uh, join in. I mean, everybody's got to get involved with this one. It can't just be a separate issue of this is just your issue. It's got to become everybody's issue now. And, uh, and one of the things, too, is my own experience. That I, I know what it's like to be the only uh, person of color, the only black person in an all-white setting. You know, and and um, that is a very uh, challenge because you're wondering who is staring at me. So it's not sometimes open racism. It's it's wondering, you know, um, do I fit in? You know, all the different things that, that that are necessary. So I know what it feels like in that regard. So I never want someone to not feel that they can't be part of a conversation. So I do everything I can uh, to invite them into to let's talk and let's go to the hard places if we need to because I've got to feel you. I've got, you've got to know that pastor's heart is beating with your heart on either side and a very difficult thing to do but by the grace of God, um, you know, we're, we're doing it. Thank you so much, Pastor Rowe. Donnell, um, we've had um, you on our team and um, I, I know that your pain is very real. Um, we've had conversations together, even as a team. It's been a blessing to have you on our team. But when this happened, you even you expressed how you felt almost unable to share your thoughts. That it was a, it was a choice again. Am I going to sweep this under the carpet, put on a good face? Can you talk to us about that? And how can we do better? What is it that you need from us? in order to support, to recognize, to believe in you, to not let this moment just pass? Uh, first of all, um, again, I just want to thank you, Peter, for um, um, having this platform so we can talk about this. I think it's important, and I appreciate um, Pastor Eugene, Pastor Rowan, for um, expressing your hearts. And I just want to piggyback to, to respond to you, Peter about why um, this is so important for us as a whole to be able to deal with and address. And um, to kind of illustrate how I feel, um, I keep coming back to this scene from a show called Family Matters. I'm pretty sure most of you have seen this classic scene where um, it's just a show following an African-American family in Chicago. and. Um, the oldest son comes home to his father saying that um, he was um, pulled over and arrested because he was in a white neighborhood. And his father um, didn't be believe him at first, saying, you know, I'll check in it. And then uh, towards the end, it's, it's great. He, he addresses the police officers. But the part that hit me the most, which connects back to um, how I'm feeling, is that um, when the, the son came home, he expressed the trauma. The fact that 
the trauma happened was one thing, but the fact that his father didn't quite believe him, he said that was even worse than the trauma itself. That was worse than the situation itself. And so I say that to say home. Um, home is our Christian family, especially here, um, Four Square, our district, everyone here. Um, and I know, like Peter said, the majority of, of our group here is probably Caucasian. Um, but this is still home. I mean, we're committed. We have pastors here that are committed. We have leaders here that are committed. And um, just to hear some of the things of one key thing that it's not as real. Um, some people like to say this racism is still happening. I don't know what we're talking about. Why are we talking about it? Why are we bringing this back up? Why are we? Why are we? And it's not really about that, but it's about that people like me. Well, we're hurting. And when we come home, we really want people to hear us. And so I think I was struggling because I was just like um, Pastor Eugene said, just looking at the comments online by people, we, we know we had a relationship, we connected and um, just hearing their perspectives. And I think that it just reminded me about that young man in the TV show that came home and I'm like, what, what's going on? Is this supposed to be home? I mean, I know we're nice, we're cordial, we, we're, we, we can coexist, but when the topic comes up, it's just kind of like, and that hurts. And so um, when Pastor Peter asked how it's failing, and uh, we were talking about it amongst the staff, it's just, it's just very, we're tired. I'm tired because I'm trying to manage, um, I think, both pastors were saying it. It's just trying to manage the balance. It's so hard because I'm feeling a whole range of emotions after seeing what happened last week. After looking at the footage and just something something clicked in me. I'm like, all these years of being conditioned in my mind to kind of keep the peace or just be nice and not offend and don't make anyone uncomfortable. All those years of that conditioning I almost kind of said, what for? There's nothing changing, nothing, nothing changing. So I think my main focus is like, I want my, I want my home. I want my church family to be a home where we talk about this and we have to talk about this because this is a key part of being able to walk through together. <laughs> if we can hurt deeply together. It's almost like a platform or a place where the Holy Spirit can kind of unite us and move us. But when we ignore it, we're not allowing that opportunity for God to flow in that way to be able to demonstrate to the world, hey, we we got it. We, we don't agree. We have different perspectives. We have different um, situations we've gone through. But love trumps Love triumphs over it. And so that's, that's what I want to come home to. And, it, and it's difficult. Thank you, Donnell, for being so transparent and sharing your heart. I hope I hope we all took that in. Um, Pastor Eugene, uh, you and I, like I said, we had a long talk the other day, and uh, I was putting together that little article I put in the newsletter, and I wanted to hear your heart a little bit. And um, you, you mentioned even in previous comments how the peaceful protests went to the vandalism and looting and how 
that tends to be the case, but we can we can get caught up in that and um, in that narrative and miss the point. You also shared with me something that, that really um, penetrated my heart when you gave that example of um, years ago at the uh, verdict, the O.J. Simpson verdict, and the sense that, that you use the word disgust. I want you to kind of unpack that and share that again, if you would. Well, you know, um, the conversation that you and I were having at that particular moment, because um, I think you were talking about how can, you know, I, I, I don't know pain like that. And uh, that's how we ended up there. And I just said, do you remember the O.J. Simpson verdict? Um, and I said, you remember, I, time essentially stood still while the verdict was being read. Traffic stopped. And the voted verdict was pronounced not guilty. And there were two opposite responses to that uh, for, you know, uh, white people, the response was utter disgust, and and because an injustice has been, you know, done, and for 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 black people, there was jubilation, Ju- jubilation. People were running, jumping, high five, all of that, right? Not 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 because we had any dealings with OJ. Black people didn't deal with OJ, and OJ didn't deal with black people at that particular time. But the jubilation was because a black man had been exonerated by a system that we've always thought of as unjust. And for, um, you know, as I expressed to you, I like. You, you talked about how an injustice had, had been done and you were disgusted, sick to your stomach. The reality is, when it comes to justice, that's how we feel every day, you know? And so when we look at uh, even the incident, yes, they fired the officers, yes, um, they, they charged them with, you know, murder. And, uh, but again, we've seen this movie before. And in this movie before, the police officers always get off. And so, you know, I try to hold out hope that the justice system is going to work sometime, but they always seem to get off. And so, you know, um, I, I tell you what, it's uh, we're, we're waiting to see. I mean, uh, the Rodney King verdict, we all watched, you know, um, the 53 baton hits, and then we watched them all get off. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to process through that, uh, you know, and, uh, and, would you and, also, you know, would you also share how you, how you, that, the, the word that the Lord, um, spoke to the prophet? Habakkuk and how even that plays into what you're feeling at right right what you're saying right now yeah it, it was like you know the, the you know you know Habakkuk uh, declared in uh, chapter one he's like Lord how long you know I mean that's just that question that's a timeless question Lord how long you know will injustice continue how long will you use 
an enemy, then why are you going to do it this way, Lord? You could do it. could have done it a whole lot of different ways. But, Lord, how long? But nevertheless, Lord, I am going to climb the ramparts. I'm going to get a higher vantage point, and I'm going to look to see what the Lord will say to me. And so, I mean, that, that's that's kind of where I am. I, I need a vantage point. I don't need to see it like everybody else sees it. I don't need to, you know, listen to the uh, the rhetoric of media. You know, I, I need to see it for, you know, what the Lord is trying to speak to me in that moment. If I listen to Fox, I'm going to hear it one way. If I listen to CNN, I'm going to hear it another way. If I listen to uh, MSNBC, I'm going to hear it another way. But I need to hear it and I need to see it from God's perspective. There, uh, the Apostle Paul says something. He says, we see through a glass darkly. And it speaks that there's a vast difference between how we see versus how God sees. You know, the, the way we see a matter is obscured. And it's obscured because of our experience. So I don't need to see it like that with, with some type of uh, bend to it. The, the reality is I need to see it like God sees it and move like God says I need to move. And so, I mean, those are the things that, that I've come through. And it seems like an easy, trite answer. But the reality is I've learned through the many decades that I've been around that uh, yeah, ultimately God's way is the best way. And uh, he settles it in my heart. He says, when I keep my mind on it, he'll keep me in perfect peace. And so, you know, as a pastor, yeah, um, I love the word. But the word cuts two ways. And before I, I disseminated to the people, I get shredded, sliced, diced, and julienne because the Lord does a work in me and then uses me to be a blessing to um, different people I encounter. I'm, I'm not here to change anybody's mind. The idea is I'm, I'm here to lend perspective and, and just to encourage people that there's a better way. Matter of fact, a, a different way. Yeah. You, you said um, just a, uh, just one last thing for you before we'll come back, but I want to ask Rohan something in a second. But you also said to me that there is the that crying out how long, there is that waiting, but that waiting doesn't mean that there is inaction, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk about yeah. that. Yeah, so, so I was saying, uh, you know, as I shared with my church uh, last Sunday, is uh, yes, we pray. As believers, we pray because we know that the factual and fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. But um, prayer and waiting on God is not passive. It's, it's not passive. So I share with them, I'm like, look, that there is a way uh, that God has provided where we can allow our voice to be heard here in the earth. Uh, that is through voting. Now, amongst African-Americans, uh, uh, Greatest voting, uh, uh, greatest time in voting was when President Barack Obama was elected. Uh, our numbers in, in the elections are way, way down. So I said, if you don't like what you see, let your voice be heard. You know, let your voice be heard. Uh, not only that, to contact your congressman and let them know you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, like Fannie Lou Hamer said, that, that you know, I demand that you you put in some some 
reforms in police departments and how they conduct themselves and, you know, uh, instituting review, review boards where we, we can uh, begin to track, um, you know, the, the number of, of problems. I was sharing with a brother that uh, uh, in Baltimore's Board of Estimates, there is an exorbitant amount of money that is doled out to settle cases of police brutality, and none of us ever hear it. You know, and and if that's here in Baltimore, but that's in every city in the country. You know, for police brutality, rather than go to trial, let's just settle it in a non-disclosure agreement and sign. So it's been going on. It's, it's been going on, but uh, my, my hope that you know, uh, with the worldwide attention that this this uh, this event uh, has brought that, uh, you know, now people would uh, begin to understand that there's power in our, in our voice, power in our vote. And uh, I'm not advocating for conservative or, or liberal or Democratic or Republican. The reality is if you want your voice to be heard, if you want to have a skin in the game, you know, you have to utilize sort of processes that, you know, that, that, that are at hand. So, you know, um, in terms of sharing with people, that that's what it is. Don't you know? Don't don't sit back. This now is the time to really get active. Um, to to the the, the pastors, uh, don't don't let this be uh, a comment or 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 just a conversation about the fire and the violence. Don't let it be that. Don't let it be that. I've had people say, "Well, I want you to tell me, tell me what you think about the uh, the rioting and all that." I said, "You mean the murder?" You know, to redirect the conversation back to the real issue. Martin Luther King said this one thing. He said, uh, rioting is the language of the unheard. And, and that is so true that when you see the symptom of what's going on, it, it is uh, uh, an indicator of people who haven't been hurt. So, yeah, yeah. Pastor Rohan, um, you and I know, I think all of us here on this call know that the cross represents ultimate justice. Um, how can the gospel be preached and lived out in a way to bring racial reconciliation and justice? What are the things that you would encourage us in? So I think first and foremost, this is how I think anyways. I don't know who came up with the title, healing, racial, or justice, but I, but I believe that's a prophetic word. So first, I want all the pastors on this call not to just look at that title as the subject line for the memo that, that either you know grabs their interest. If you look at that word, that has everything to do with the cross. But if you look at the order of what's going on, is that we have to deal with this injustice so we can deal with the racial inequality so we can get to the place of healing. If we just try to automatically go to that healing aspect, and yes, bring the cross and everything in there, People will come to a place, especially people of color, especially African-Americans, that you haven't really heard about the injustice yet. So even though we call it healing racial injustice, that speaks of progress, right? But if you hear Pastor Eugene and, and many hearts of, of African-Americans, what they're saying is this, I am still going through a process. You're speaking about progress. I'm still going through a process. So it needs to be where I process 
or or, or I have to pr- I have to process to get to the progress, and that's what the cross is really about: preaching that gospel of Jesus, carrying that cross, ultimately to where he needs to go, to deal with that injustice. And so we have to deal with the mess. We have to deal with what the cross represents. We like the resurrection, but we have to deal with what it is that Jesus did with having to deal with that injustice where it's messy and people don't want to deal with it. People don't want to talk about it. But how can you have a resurrection as you have a cross and you have to carry to be crucified? And so when you look at it, it's really pastors. Where are we? Are we really addressing the injustice part? We can talk about the healing and the peace and the kumbaya and all those things, and that's great, but the cross speaks to the injustice as well. And so if you carry the cross and healing, you it's going to move it to a place of the, the racial inequality, the things that exist in this nation, to ultimately get to this place of injustice. And so what we're seeing really is, let's deal with the injustice. That's at the forefront. So all the other things are trying to distract from this real issue of there is injustice, there is racism, and the cross speaks to it, but we've got to make sure that we stay on it until the conversation and people are being heard, then we can move into the issue of racial equality, and then we can get to a place of healing. I believe that's the gospel. I believe that's what Jesus wants us to do. But here's the question, pastors, are we going to spend some time dealing with the injustice and feeling the pain uh, of, of, of a group of people, of African-Americans, who Pastor Eugene has, has eloquently um, shared. And even when we listen to Donnell about, I'm coming home. You know what I mean? I'm coming home. I got to know you'll be able to hug me and, 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 and squeeze me and let me know it's going to be okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wounded. I'm wounded. And so one of the things that the cross definitely does, the cross gives us time for those other conversations. Nobody's saying ignore those. But there comes a point we have to have the wisdom of God to be able to say, when do you bring that up? And right now, that's not the time. Right now, people are hurting. People are hurting. Everybody has all their opinions. People have all their perspectives. But let's focus on the cross. And the cross deals with healing, racial injustice. So that title, I believe, is the conversation star that we need to stay on and keep it intentionally in our minds. Because the cross, I believe when you look at it, you're seeing those words, healing, racial injustice so where are we i think we're on the injustice part and we've got to stay on it if we want the cross to work and be effective as it is if we want people who are bitter to get better if we want people who are angry to feel the anointing let's deal with the injustice let's let's have that honest real conversation that that's taking place and what better place to have it than home there's no place like home if i can't have it at home where else can i have the conversation and that's how i bring it to our church this is home we do life together here, guys, you know, and that's not just a slogan. That's how we live. We do life together. And the cross is where we all want to eventually get to because that's what we're carrying. That is so good. Um, you mentioned, and I think all of us have heard the word pain a few times. Um, Donnell, um, you know, you you talked so eloquently about it, your personal pain and, and this whole idea of bringing it home. You know, knowing that you can be heard. Um, I'd like you to share a little bit more, Donnell, about um, what you go through as a human being and what are the things that some of us as pastors wouldn't get, wouldn't experience, and yet we're called to uh, bear one another's burdens. So could, could you just challenge us with some words that would be um, 
appropriate for us as uh, Caucasian white pastors? Yeah, I, uh, one thing that comes to mind that's been kind of stirring um, throughout this whole time, and um, it, it's almost a theme with what uh, Eugene and Rohan is saying about um, our, our attention and, and our focus. It, this should be a prayer point for um, all of the pastors. And um, it's funny, um, Rohan, you were mentioning focus, and I thought about the movie uh, Focus um, starring Will Smith, and he's playing a con artist. And um, he explains how with pickpocketing, um, attention for a person is like a spotlight and a con artist dance in the darkness. And so my, what I would say is pastors, pray about where your attention should be or pray about what's guiding your spotlight, what's guiding your attention. Because um, as, as they both were saying, it's so easy to focus on the riots, but Eugene was like, wait, the murder. It's so easy to say things like black on black crime in communities or different things. And it's like, well, what's guiding your spotlight? Because um, we want to be careful that either our um, perspectives or our flesh is not the one guiding it where the enemy can um, dance around in the darkness. Um, And he also mentions this in the movie. It's like once you have someone's attention, you can take whatever you want. And um, I'm, I'm concerned that with the attention of some being on the wrong thing, what's being taken is, is this opportunity for um, us in this moment to um, advance. Because with COVID, we, we understood that church was disrupted. And we knew we were getting the hang of the fact that church will be different. And this is no coincidence that one pandemic comes after another where this situation with um, racism has come up and that God is also doing something with that. It's an opportunity, but I feel like the majority, um, it's not the same with COVID, where we focus now on spotlighting different things that are not adding to where, what is God doing with this for us as a body so that we can advance just like the COVID-19 pandemic has caused us to need to think in advance. So. Um, my challenge would be um, similar to what people have done for me. Um, Peter did the exact thing for me. It's just ask, how are you feeling? You don't have to agree, disagree. It's not about that, but it's just how are you feeling? And I told Peter, I was just just vulnerable, saying, listen, you, you asking the question made me tear up because I'm almost, I almost thought to myself, well, you're not supposed to talk about that. You're not supposed to, we have our boundaries. And um, Peter, uh, Peter, and others broke through those boundaries. I mean, even prior to or prior this whole COVID situation, um, Larry Spousa, out of nowhere in the conversation, just asked, "Hey, how is all this racism? Is that affecting identity and, and who you are?" And I was thrown off because I was so conditioned in church. It's a taboo subject. Don't bring that up. So I would say definitely connect meaningfully one-on-one with someone and just ask how they're feeling any of the other guys want to add to that pastor eugene pastor Rowe. yeah um go ahead pastor no you're good that oh i think one of the things that i was sharing with with our church and again back to the first question you asked me pastor peter about you know how do you balance this and I remember I read from Ephesians and I was speaking to, you know, um, 
you know, be angry, you know, and sit not. And I said, don't give an opportunity for the devil. And it says we're members together. And I was speaking to the body of Christ. And what I told him was I said that we have to give room for people to say, Pastor, I hear you. I'm not there yet. I will get there. I'm just not there yet. I'm angry. But I put it out there. We're not going to give opportunity for the devil. So you've got this space to express because there's grace that's there. And once we give that space, knowing that we cannot give an opportunity for the devil because we're members together. And I can't speak for the world. I'm talking about the body of Christ. That's what I'm called to speak to. And so given that space, that's what we call home. That's a place where I can come and they can say, you know what? And I see it. I see it on their posts. I see those things. But I'm given space. I'm given grace because I know that they know I can't give the devil opportunity. But I'm feeling this pain. I'm, I'm feeling this thing. And, and I think that's the place is you're asking that question, Pastor Peter, to Donnell. To Pastor Donnell, it's simply saying, are you there yet? And he can say, I'm not there yet, but I'm glad I'm home. I'm glad I'm in the place where I don't have to give the devil opportunity. And as a church, even if you have no uh, African-American in your church, make sure there's space there for other people to ask the question. Because I think one of the biggest challenges as white pastors, you bring this up, you may get pushback. You know, you, you may get pushed by, but you've got to be able to say there is, if we don't give space, we're going to give the devil opportunity. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So there's a people that is angry. They're feeling this pain. And so because of that, we must, it is required of us to give, to give grace. And in Acts 13, what they saw was the grace of God. They saw the grace of God. That's what they saw. And they can be steadfast in your love and in your purpose. And so people must see that grace exists for people to say, I'm angry. I'm feeling this. And sometimes the wisdom is just to simply say, I feel you. And be authentic about it. I feel you. You know what I mean? Knowing that I believe enough in you that you're not going to cross that line of giving the devil an opportunity. And if you do do that, I'll be right there to pull you back. I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. You know, I, mean, I didn't start this thing with you, and I'm going to, you know, I, sorry, I started with you. I'm not going to leave you now. And that's the biggest thing. After after three months, when everything's done, or four months yeah. or five months, are we still going to be yes. able to say, I'm with you? You know what I mean? Because we got to see change, right? And change that's only comes to the cross. You know, when it comes to the cross. So. Man, you really, uh, I think you really said it. So, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, do, do we ask that question? Are you okay? You know, um, uh, you know, I've had people call and ask me, you all right? And uh, it, it, it really just opened up a space where I can say, no, not really. Um, I'm really angry. I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I've seen it before. But uh, not now at least I have a, a, a place where I can... Uh, you know, it's like, I just got rid of my Cadillac, right? I got rid of my Cadillac because I had problems with it, right? So I take it to the mechanic, uh, waiting for the mechanic to bring his diagnosis about my beloved car. And uh, so he comes out and he says, thus and so and thus and so. And, and I'm like, no, nah, don't do anything. Don't fix it. That's been my typical response that whenever things are going on with me, 
that I really don't want anybody to 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 to, to fix it. But you know, I realize that you know, as uh, I have pastors in my lives, that they serve like mechanics, and and when I come to them, I can raise my hood up, and they can diagnose. Uh, or I give them permission to diagnose some areas that, you know, perhaps need looking at, you know, my, my anger. Um, I, 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 what I found the week after George Floyd's death was I was snapping at people. Just people at my job, they just, I mean, snapping. And uh, there was a reason for that. It's because I hadn't really didn't really want to talk about it to anybody. So, um, yeah, I think the, the, the idea that when we ask that question, one is good to know that people care, you know, and we, we may not necessarily get the wonderful answer to that, you know, that we hope, but, uh, you know, as uh, Pastor Rose said, uh, helping people to process through uh, what they're going through emotionally, uh, um, and, and, and yet allow people to be, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You guys, um, man, so many comments we're having on that this has been, is so, so helpful, and we don't want this just to be um, an event, a Zoom call, but this this to be the start of something, um, like I said earlier, that we really, the church, we move the needle, and uh, I love what you've all said there's some really important questions coming in and i want to just pose them um donnell i'd like you to take this first one because you're so engaged with social media and so forth the question is how would you um how do you feel like leader as leaders as pastors we engage with or not engage with the social media uh when it comes to this whole issue uh yeah that's a challenging balance because um um I, I have people who are who have great hearts and who care and hurt deeply, and um, they don't know how to respond. And I, I totally get that. And I, I personally have grace for that. Um, I I do, unfortunately, because um, social media is its own harvest field. It's its own platform that people are speaking loudly. I mean, it's it's the new television. Um, most people are on there. It's, it's pretty much how people communicate with each other. So it's a harvest field. It's unfortunate that it's in that place space because of all the ne negativity. But um, I, I, I would definitely find it within yourself to, to seek the Holy Spirit on how you should respond. Um, it could be even something light. It could be something that you believe in that's forwarded. But because you guys have this position as pastors, and you have that that influence, and you have this platform, which we obviously in the past did not have. I would ask, I would ask and pray, how should your voice be heard in this matter? Because I think it's huge um, um, to to be able to connect one on one um, with your black brothers and sisters um, is key. Um, but also to be able to for them to see you use your platform, your voice to stand up for what's right for the kingdom of God, that right there kind of says, you know what, they're not just doing it behind closed doors. Um, 
So I would pray definitely to see what what would Shajir's voice sound like um, in the middle of all this um, in the middle of this harvest call. So thank you. That's really good. You know, I know just what you're saying. It made me think about some of the posts that I have seen, and you know, I, I'm definitely not an expert. I'm not walking through the pain that you guys and gals are feeling. Um, but there's been this, 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 almost like this, this anger in me at some of the things I'm seeing, and my my reaction is to want to correct them I and mean, want to go after them, and and the Lord is just like you said, you know, praying and letting the Holy Spirit just. I, I feel like it's more important for me not to even go there and to only speak those things which are truth and love and grace and justice. So, thank you for that. Um, on that issue, um, you know, there's been um, a lot of talk now, which again is diverting kind of the real subject, but this whole idea of, of white privilege um, or even white guilt. Um, and how, how would um, you, either any three of you, maybe Ro, you can take this one, how would you help us to navigate that? Because there is, even in, even in a statement that is said or a thought that is brought from a, a white perspective, there's, there could be a backlash um, and a accusation that we don't get it because we don't, we just don't. Instead of, maybe that's the thing, we should just be starting by saying, I do not get it and I do have privilege regardless. I was talking to a young person just yesterday and he said to me, you know, so many people resist that white privilege thing because they say you don't know what you know what I went through as a white person, and the reality is that our pri the privilege that we have is we've not had to deal with the talk even, we've not had to walk through the same kind of wondering what are people thinking about us or how are they going to react to us. So just that in itself, Ro, would, how would you speak to this and help us? So I think two things. I think we have to look at white privilege versus being blessed. Um, I think being blessed is part of the gospel, right? So that's the goal for everybody is to be able to say we're blessed. The more thing we find that divides us, the harder it is for us to come and be united. So when we deal with this issue of white privilege, the reality is you, you just won't get it. You just never experience those things. And I think the first thing you have to acknowledge is acknowledge that. Not from a place of guilt, but from a place of when you watch that video, I don't care what, what skin told you, you watch that video of what happened to George Floyd, there ought to be an element of where, as you look at that officer, there's an element of shame. The fact that he was a white officer, you've got to be able to address that and say, that's just not right. You know, that it just can't be. And so if you allow that then to be the guilt, you're going to stop progress. You're going to get to a place of now you're looking internal, you're looking at all this privilege. And sometimes, to be honest, you're your acknowledgement can become disingenuous, you know, because you're just like, it's just a thing to say. So I think don't allow that, speaking to my, you know, people by privilege, is, is to, to do that. Accept the reality, repent if you need to. Repent if you have seen the fact of, no, your white privilege has gotten you these things and gotten those things. Repent of it as a believer. And, and I think that's the main thing um, that, that needs to happen because we all need to be part of the solution. We all do. And, and the reality is, 
you're never gonna be because you haven't walked through those doors. I mean, you you haven't. Like when I'm driving and a police officer's behind me, I don't. I shouldn't have to do this, but I do it. I straighten up. If my head's sideways, I put it straight. I got places to go. You know what I mean? But I just know that there's going to be that 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 things happening. So. I have reached that place where I do. I shouldn't have to do that, but I do do that. Um, and so I think part of it again is 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 for people to recognize that if it was a wiper, they wouldn't have to worry about that. It would be just drive, you know, because the police officer wouldn't be profiled. He would just drive by and forget I have a nice car, you know. So there's a lot of things that that, that are in the mix. I guess my final thing would, would, would is this: there's so many things that divide us already. Let's try to find things that unite us. And let's acknowledge the reality of certain things as this. Um, that is the case. If you if you if you are white, there are privileges that you do have. That's that's just the reality. That's that's, that's what it is. But I would say we want everybody to be blessed, and that's why you're hearing people crying. You're like we want to be blessed too. You know, we want everybody to to fulfill that Genesis chapter one. And he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply, you know, and that's where we want to get to it. So just remove things that are going to hinder you from having the conversation. I, I, I hope that makes sense. Just don't allow anything yeah. to divide. Let's just try to find things that unite and at the same time be sincere, be authentic, and, and, and be real. So talking, let's talk a little bit about this whole idea of uniting because some of the things we may say that we should say are going to polarize. Um, as, as a white pastor standing before a congregation that um, has a lot of different opinions. Um, I mean, just among us here as pastors, we have difference of opinions. Pastor Eugene, how, how can we speak to the church without sounding condescending or demeaning um, not wanting it to, you know, we're not trying to create an atmosphere necessarily for a protest or a rally, but we are wanting to bring people to the reality of the gospel and the reality of injustice. Is that possible, Pastor Eugene? Is it possible to do that? I, I do believe it's possible. I mean, um, um, those kind of conversations, you know, may be difficult, but again, you know, even as, you know, we speak to our respective congregations, you know, uh, as mentioned earlier, we're speaking from our heart, you know, we're, we're speaking from a place where it's like, hey, look, you know, this has touched me and, uh, you know, I'm not going to ignore it. I, I, I know if it's touched me, it's likely touched, you know, uh, uh, many others. So it's, it's not about faking the phone. And say, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I lost myself just for a second. <laughs> but but it's not it's not about playing. It's not about covering my eyes and saying it's disappeared. But but it's a very real thing. And as mentioned earlier, someone said was was talking about the process, and you have to work through, you know. Uh, uh, some of the the, the the real hard subject matter. You know, I would love to preach cookies and milks, ain't he all right, won't he do it, won't he fix it type of messages. But, you know, it was one of the things that, that drew me to the foursquare that that uh, the messages that I were hearing were, I mean, word-based, they were very solid, they were good people. And, and so uh, 
you know, uh, they were substantive, that there was something that I could use going down the road. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I think as, you know, we speak to our, our, our congregation, as we speak to the people, yeah, love, let's give them the truth. Give them the truth and love. And, uh, and, and just great encouragement that, hey, we could 